to the Earwig Review, episode 21. Last week, I think I thought <laughs> that I would make a more of a plan for the podcast, but what fun would that be? Um, the post this week, I think, all run along a certain theme about value burgers and melted snot. Do I have any idea why? Not right now, but by the end of this podcast, likely I'll have come up with some theory as to what that could be. Um, I have, I wonder if I, I didn't flag this page but I wonder if I could find it very fast here. There was um, a quote, and I knew I should have flagged it, but I think I was just, I got distracted and decided to keep reading onward. A um, book called The Interpretation of Dreams by Sigmund Freud. Um, I flagged one thing I'll read a bit later on, but there was uh, one part where he was talking about how we'll basically make a pattern out of anything. Um, we'll take two random ideas and we have a strong need to um, create some logic out of it, to create some version of it that makes sense. Um that's a big part of the show. That's a big part of the Earwig Review. Taking these ideas, trying to decide if there's any deeper meaning to them, if there's anything to unlock, if there's any point to it, or is it all truly random fucking nonsense? And, and is that enough? Is writing and reading nonsense does that have any value or do things need to be smart good intelligent you know insert positive uh word there in order to make it worth our time Where's the line? What makes it good? What makes it not good? And everything in between. One thing I'm concerned with is the idea of idiocy. Um, and where your comfort where my comfort zone is, how stupid can I possibly be? How stupid can I admit that I am? How much of an idiot are you willing to be in this life? 
or how smart do you need to feel like you are in order to feel good about yourself how do you how do you what in what currency how what am i trying to, i'm trying to phrase this as how much intellectual currency do you need to feel good about yourself have you read is there certain books you've read and can kind of understand and break down uh different levels of education uh decisions you've made however you've kind of defined yourself as the smart person versus everyone else or or whoever the idiots are from your point of view what's the argument and where do you see yourself in that um and i think the the book i'm writing now called the idiot tree i feel like i'm trying to the point of the book is to try to um sort that out in some way one of the big um what's the word one of the big where the work is to be done with that book and with any book or any story is concerning the plot the beginnings the middle the end this happened and therefore this happened etc 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 when we watch things the plot is basically everything i enjoy trying to come up with plots quite a bit um and i of course enjoy watching them even more that's generally the fun part a plotless movie generally fucking sucks period <laughs> um i kind of choked while laughing there's a bit of a bit of mucus caught i've had some internal uh, congestion kind of ongoing issue this week um that i still haven't got to the bottom of so anyway talking about plots and trying to figure out what's the plot of this book how's this going to work out but also trying to reframe my thinking around it i think in the the last book of short stories i was desperate to try to write good plots but i don't know if that's where my true i don't know if that's what i want to do is to focus so much on the plot i don't know if that's my strength as a writer now here's a contradiction i'm saying the only good story the only good movie to watch the only good tv show it's a great plot. That's what we're there for. That's what we enjoy. But meanwhile, I'm saying, yeah, but in a way, am I fulfilled by writing great plots? Is that where my true interest is? Or is it something else? Is it a cop out because it takes so much work to write a great plot? Or am I simply just interested in doing something else? A book like The Idiot Tree that I'm working on now, 
I'm having a, I'm enjoying what I'm enjoying a lot more about it is actually this kind of weird process that I've learned from doing this podcast. Let me explain. I wrote about 10k uh, words of fiction for the idiot tree, just like um, first person, um, this, you know, whatever the plot, the plot, the plot. Inevitably, it's about a person who lives alone, in remote in in the woods, basically, um, with as little as possible, because they basically couldn't figure out how to function within, um, you know, the city. And then, but they end up meeting someone, and having this kind of whatever affair love affair um and then she gets pregnant and now what now how do they kind of reintegrate back into society etc cetera, etc cetera. but i basically lost interest in writing further in the plot after that point and then i think about my where i'm at in my life right now whereas i'm basically you know, my wife is pregnant and I'm uh, trying to get my ducks in a row so that, you know, we can have a kid and, and you know, uh, everything's taken care of. So there's a big kind of autobiographical component to it. Very clear. Um, so I'm at this kind of point where it's like, do I want to write? beyond right into the the fictional elements of imagining what it's like to be farther along the pregnancy to imagine what it's like for her to give uh, to to give birth and what life will be like beyond then it just seems so false at this point but we're talking about fiction writing so why not just go for it and just write it and experiment but i'm draw i'd be drawing off bullshit so it just doesn't seem like the point i'm also I just didn't want to, it just seemed, it didn't seem right, nor, and I wasn't really interested. So I kind of stopped there and I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I'll go edit some other stuff now. And then I went back and edited Blue Nile, um, and which we've obviously gone over a ton on, on the podcast here. Um, and then now I've returned to this. <clears throat> this writing and basically I've started to write more each day breaking down that fiction and basically com writing commentary on it throughout the story so breaking it apart and then explaining like okay writing from the from my real point of view I mean like this is the fiction that I wrote what this is what I'm what's actually going on in this is how I've kind of in the dreamland, um, the the fiction land, basically um, fictionalized this in order to kind of, you know, process it or deal with it or fantasize or whatever. This is how I've processed it through writing, and isn't that fucked up? And okay, what about the next part? So it's really the same thing I do on the show here, 
<clears throat> where I read the fiction that I wrote, and then I kind of break it down and try to get to some deeper meaning and record that process. And that becomes, um, you know, part of it. So that's, I'm really excited about that. And that's actually been a lot of fun. And uh, whether or not it makes for a, well, whether or not it will make for a good read on the audience's point of view, um, I don't know. But it's nice to have a vehicle to write about that inside of the book. So it's a meta layer, but um, it feels quite natural. I'm not trying to create like a mind puzzle with meta layers. It's more like this is, I'm enjoying this. I'm getting something out of it. And basically, if you don't like it, uh, put the fucking book down and fuck off. <laughs> what more? Um, I don't know. That's it. So how much enjoyment can I kind of get away with while writing? And is that not, if I thought about someone else writing a book and they came to me, it was like, look, like, should I focus on the plot or should I like experiment and and enjoy myself as much as possible in this process, I would say, of course, you should go fuck around and do all that weird shit and have the most fun and, you know, kind of write that way. Um, and if, if uh, writing plots is not what you feel like doing at the moment, I mean, just whatever, let it go and let, let it kind of figure itself out. Um, so that's a bit of the, the writing process. Um, that's where I'm at right now. So I'll continue on that, on that train and see basically how far I can push it until I kind of essentially get bored again or say whatever it is that I feel like I need to say. Um, but I think the kind of, one of the, the best, the thing I'm, I'm so happy about, I think is just that like. The way that this recording this podcast has found has taught me a new way of looking at my own work and um and a new process i suppose of of um understanding my point of view and developing my point of view better and if there's one thing i think were obligated to do what I want to see a lot from the people whose work I really appreciate is their point of view. If that's a super, um, really intricate, intricate plot, uh, or if it's, um, you know, a subtle plot, but a lot of kind of deeper insights or whatever, whatever the balance is, like really all you could ever ask of someone is to truly be the most authentic version of themselves possible without boring you and just filming them doing nothing. Now on that note, I've also become obsessed with making these YouTube videos. I think I talked quite a bit about them last week. Uh, I posted up to video five on YouTube now. So it's all, and that's just kind of another kind of dimension of this whole thing. So I've got the writing of the posts, the writing of the prose, the podcast, the video element of the podcast, and then the these other videos on top of it all. 
my goal with all of this stuff is really the more it amalgamates together um, and kind of more or less becomes one point of view, regardless of which kind of medium you, you're grabbing it from, doesn't, shouldn't, I don't really think it will matter at a certain point. Um, and it's very fun for me to kind of work through all of these things at once and have them kind of start to inspire one another, as I was just explaining. So I'm having fun. Um, and it seems that um, everyone kind of has a different... Um, some people I've spoken to have really enjoyed the monthly ebook from the newsletter, which you can sign up to on the website www.joshuahillelbarsky.com, J O S H U A H I L L E L B A R S K Y.com. Sign up for the newsletter, um, and I'll send you the ebook version of these posts once a month, along with a bunch of other updates, the links to all of the um, all the YouTube videos and and other things. So um, I'd encourage you to do that should you be interested. Um, other people I know only listen to the audio podcast. That's it. Uh, some people just read the posts every day and don't give a shit about anything else. So it's kind of like a lot going on. Um, maybe I'm spreading myself too thin, but... I'm having too much fun to stop or to refine things or whatever. At the end of the day, what else do you want to do? Um, let me talk about the YouTube videos a bit and how that's going. Um, really, what doesn't seem to work is planning a video and then going and trying to shoot it based on a theme or to say something or to like, you know, whatever, to do things um, that way. What works is shooting them more or less exactly the same way that I um, make the posts every day, that I write those little poems. Generally, the structure is this write something really fucking absurd um and silly and funny or something some kind of line of um of craziness that kind of just gets things going from there build off um and try to build that into a story and then through those basically through those ingredients, find some kind of more uh, relevant truths about what's going on, how you're feeling, a realization about something, some kind of moment of discovery, um, and then trying to land on your feet and make it look like it wasn't all just batshit fucking craziness. Um, the what seems to be working better with making the vi these videos is basically the same. That beginning part though, where it's like the, what would be kind of a more or less random feeling, kind of absurd cartoon image that you see a lot in the posts is actually comes out of music. 
because I go on Fruity Loops on my iPad and make um, like a small amount of music. And that kind of starts off the, that's like kind of the glue. That's the foundation and the structure for these, um, for these videos. And it's a feeling. It doesn't, music doesn't really make sense. Um, it's just like, hey, that's kind of weird. And that kind of makes sense. It's the same thing as those cartoon images. And then from there, kind of starting to build off, okay, here's a piece of music. What's going to go behind? Let's just film something today that's going to go on top of that. And then like, oh, and then this, and then you can do that and this and this and this and this, building the footage out and trying to do that same kind of process. Um, and that's been super fun. So it's basically seeing those things is really the same um, is working for me. Um, and I'll continue to keep figuring that out. Um, it's also like uh, a matter of facing fears. And as far as like putting out your writing in some form every day, uh, putting out the projects you've worked, putting out writing that you've hardly worked very little on and putting out writing you've worked uh, that you couldn't work harder on doing both of those things there it's a different experience but I want I feel like I've gotten pretty comfortable with both of being okay with having both of those both of the, those things out there um, and then doing something like this the podcast where it's like non-edited unless I'm using the restroom or something um, but 99% of the time this, I hit record and I go and I'm not allowed to edit or anything. And that's the fun of it. That's why this podcast is so fun, but it's, um, uh, it's not nerve wracking or I'm not really scared of it. I've gotten pretty used to it in the last 21 weeks. Um, but still it's like, I was really, really frightened about it. And the more comfortable I get, the better. And then adding the video on top of that and being like, okay, look, now you have to, you can't hide behind the microphone and not show your face. That's, that was very, very nerve wracking as well. Still kind of is, um, but whatever, getting kind of getting better at it and more comfortable with it. And then taking that even a step further and not even relying on not even the podcast seems a l less risky than putting out a whole video about like hey i'm not i don't even have a format here now i'm just fucking making videos uh about my life essentially and uh putting those out it's like it's ridiculous but very fun anyway um every time i finish something like that forcing myself to finish those videos in like a day or two as fast as possible, putting them out the same way I did with the posts, I think will be really good for my confidence long-term. And then I can't look back and say that I fucking hid and that I didn't try to put my work out there because there's been years of my life where I've spent so much time perfecting right pieces of writing screenplays uh, novels, whatever, 
um, short films, you name it. And then being so finicky about such a perfectionist and so finicky about putting them out that I just crippled myself by not, um, not even really trying. It was my biggest fucking, um, flaw probably in it's funny i can say it was my <laughs> with such conviction it was my biggest flaw probably um and i just couldn't tolerate it anymore i'm like what kind of person would you be if you spent all you sacrificed all like a normal idea of a career um whatever friendships whatever all this kind of shit in order to do this creative thing and then you never really tried you never really put yourself out there because you were too scared and i i can see the side of myself that totally did that for most not all of my 20s but a lot of my 20s and a lot and my early 30s like there was a lot of versions of of, I was stuck in that. And so to really force my way through it, as I have been with all these different mediums and just like pushing forward with that, um, that's that to me is enough. That's super, um, that's been very meaningful for me after a lifetime of trying the opposite and feeling how um how isolating and kind of pointless it was otherwise uh perfectionism is just fucking dumb trying to make things that are good because you're scared of being bad <laughs> and being a failure and an idiot is fucking not a way to live i think it's it's very fucking toxic and i don't see how it was helping me um and this seems to be working better um so here we are and uh, please enjoy please enjoy let us check out the posts of the week starting on january 8th we have a post calls have your snot melt on the earth. Okay. Before I begin in the post, <laughs> let me just talk about the cat and what's been going on there. As I think I've been explaining quite a bit, we we basically a new dog came into the house and we left town for two weeks, very close together around the same time. And when we came back from that trip, from our honeymoon two weeks ago, I believe, um, our cat was acting, um, he wouldn't stop meowing essentially. He couldn't calm down. He was just so high energy um and he was struggling and and it was really tough um and we couldn't figure it out for days and um 
we couldn't figure out if he needed to go outside more, if he needed more treats, if we had to play with him more, all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think with pets, it can be super frustrating. You don't know what to do, and it's really hard to solve these problems. But one thing that started to really work was researching and really trying to do the work to to kind of figure out to try to help them through this thing um and not let it do your best and not let it rule your life i mean and it still does he wakes us up in the middle of the night uh i mean not it's gotten better um a lot of crying and just crying on his behalf meowing um and a lot of not good behaviors but i've had some success in the last really the last few days i feel like i've seen the result reading books and watching youtube videos and really trying to study and pay attention to his behaviors it's been it's been helping um so i there's really not much the my only the only thing i suppose i wanted to note where i got where you saw me get distracted here um was do the research, read a fucking book. If you're, ha if you're struggling with something in your life, you need to go to the library and you need to find a book about the subject and you need to read it. <laughs> and it will help you. There's nothing else out there. There's like, a lot of other you can talk to people you can maybe get coaching you can go to school whatever but at the end of the day it always comes back to the simple fact that you have to go and read a book and then you can figure shit out so some for some reason I really wanted to get that off my chest. Maybe because I talk about the cat a lot, and I and I want to keep uh, keep that updated here. Back to the posts. This one is called "Have Your Snot Melt on the Earth." How many fucks can be given? How many fucks can become value menu burgers? How many fucks? have been diagnosed with treatment-resistant depression. A lot of fucks can be given. Be generous, be charitable. Have snot ready in your nose in case you need to snot, snot rock, in case you need to snot rocket upward at the sun and have your snot melt on the earth. Give every fuck and melt your snot all over the earth and eat a value burger with melted snot go to the psychiatrist with melted snot and the psychologist and anyone else truthfully it is a mitzvah to give every fuck and melt snot there we have it the first post of the week how many fucks can be given? How many fucks can become value menu burgers? How many fucks have been diagnosed with treatment-resistant depression? A lot of fucks can be given. 
Be generous, be charitable, have snot ready in your nose in case you need to snot rocket upward at the sun. Have your snot melt on the earth. I think what this is about is really no no different than the whole more or less half an hour monologue slash rant I went on in the beginning of um you know thinking about your what's inside of your head <laughs> this is not um and how to um deal with it how to how to um what to do with it how much how ashamed of it should you be you know when sometimes you're picking your nose and then like someone looks at you and you feel ashamed of yourself it's like it's a weird thing to be ashamed of it's a of all the things to be ashamed of it's kind of the stupidest one but also it's like fucking gross to watch someone pick their nose and you want to feel like you're more sophisticated than that um but the truth is you're not like i really wonder if there's anyone in the world that truly never picks their nose ever they and they just like use a kleenex like once a day at this at the same time blow their nose and just like wipe it clean without even the mirror them seeing any like snot in the mirror and then discarding the tissue and that's it like of course not but like it's like a weird it's a private thing but it's not like as extreme as like you know going to the bathroom in either direction and it's not like a weird sex thing uh it's just like this it's so fucking dumb but it's uh It's such a relief when you when you clear out your nose too, when you clear your sinus out, and when you're congested, your life is all fucked up, right? So now, listen, I'm I'm going through this Freud book, Interpretation of Dreams. What a classic! Uh, I've definitely tried reading this book before, um, and like maybe gotten a bit out of it. But it, obviously it's dense. It's like way above my pay grade. In a way, I feel like I am not smart enough to read it um, and shouldn't be, but it's just so fun to read. It's actually, when you think about so far, what am I on page 50, no, page 83. There's definitely chunks I've missed, but like it's manageable. It's not like so over the top but he talks about obviously he's talking about dreams a lot and um when i when he says dreams obviously i understand he's talking about dreams but in my head the whole time I'm like well what about like fiction writing like making up bullshit it's kind of like not f entirely a dream it's like this middle point between like fully subconscious dream state and um being awake and being sensible and conscious and saying things that make sense and are smart and useful and all that kind of stuff fiction writing is like this weird kind of hybrid that in my case leans as far as possible to dream end to subconscious dream side without being totally gibberish right so that's 
kind of the the lens I'm looking at this whole thing with. And to him, he's like, the whole point is he's like, look, everything can be figured out through um you can really sort out a person's problems um through interpreting their dreams this is a big part of his argument um which i mean correct me if i'm wrong but i i feel like there's that's you know a lot of what he's getting at um and he talks about the different kind of things the different variables that could possibly um create a dream one of them, and he keeps quoting this one, I think he, another psychologist, therapist, whatever he was, saying that um, all dreams, one perspective is that all dreams are created from like physical responses in the night. So I think he says like, when you're long, when you like breathe heavily or something, you feel like you're flying. Or if it's too hot, you feel like you're in a volcano. You know, there's really basic kind of outlook. If there's like the windows open, you know, whatever, the air on your face, however that goes. So when I look at a post like this and I like I have this like weird like dryness on my face and inside and it's gone inside of my nostrils, like whatever, this dry skin inside of my nose and it keeps kind of like oh there's something in my nose and then i go to pick my nose and get something great it's like awesome and, but then there's like a scab there so i keep picking the scab and i gotta like clear off all the fucking snot and figure out what's a scab and what's not and then i have to like stop myself from picking the scab but that's impossible because i like fucking you know struggle with addiction and like that's like a really i think if you had to like if you removed <laughs> if you removed all the chemical substances from a uh from all from say five people um and you know some of them like were addicted to so let's say they're all uh you take there there's one severe alcoholic there's one who's still an alcoholic but you know won't die if they stop drinking there's one person who drinks every night there's one person who drinks once uh every few months and then there's someone who drinks never here's my uh let's let's see if this holds any fucking water at all my assumption is that if you so you take away all the booze and now you're just like you know and then they they get clean whatever there's so there's no booze anymore but their personalities are still what they are and then it's like they all have the same scab let's say you like you like go and you give them a you, you give them all the same cut on their hand that's what you're doing this is the science experiment <laughs> so you go and you, and, you, and you give them all like a small cut on their hand the same the exact same one and you're and it's like look if you pick the scab you uh, it won't heal as fast and it will cause you more pain. The person who never drinks, my assumption, they'll be able to just leave the scab. And they'll just, they won't touch it. They'll understand and they won't touch it. The person who drank the most, the most extreme, 
they would not a minute as soon as that scab was there they'd they'd peel it right off they couldn't help themselves so me who uh had to stop drinking and doing drugs because it just you know was too much uh if there's a scab in my nose or if there's anything in my nose i have to clear it out i just can't stop fucking messing with it until it's like done uh can't stop tweaking i think the two i think the two things are related how wrong i could be you can let me know about that so what i'm talking about i have this post I've written this poem called have your snot melts on the earth and it's about blowing your nose <laughs> i'm like yes there's like a physiolo physiological kind of issue that's now coming out into the fiction is can you say that all fiction then similarly to that person's idea about dreams and how they work can you say that all fiction is a reaction to what's going on in your physiological um self whether that's brain chemicals whether that's a weird you know el soreness of the elbow um you know constipation your toenail grew um you know in increments and now you're just you know you're just reacting to that is that all that this is and it's possible it's totally possible um but that I don't know if that's an if that is enough for me um as someone who spent so much time and who cares so much about writing plot and writing story and focusing on creative writing and as a whole regardless of you know where I'm at with those things at any given time to just have them be like responses to physicality it's like it's there's I'm looking for meaning and it's like through story we can change and through writing fiction um, we can better ourselves so it's more than simply just flesh and bones right anyway that's a big part of this how many fucks can be given how many fucks can become value mini burgers right and this whole thing about value mini burgers i mean it just goes into it's 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 a self-worth metaphor um that and we're talking about how many fucks can be given and it's about caring what people think truly like um how little should we care about what other people think do is it an indulge is it's how it's such an indulgence to say i don't give a fuck i don't care what anyone thinks i'm gonna do what i want to do but it's also really admirable in another way we look up to people who don't give a fuck but also people that don't give a fuck are assholes so you know it's a lot i think um I give a huge fuck 
but also I give none. <laughs> I'm I I see how I'm both things. I think actively trying to give less of a fuck at any given time. Um when it comes to insecurities and it comes to fear, that's really important. But you should be giving, finding things to give more of a fuck about and focusing on the things you give a fuck about while shedding off the things that you don't, I think will really, that's how I feel like I've, all the, the good things in my life Every all the progress that I've made, it all I could say I think it more or less comes down to that. Um so you know, I'm seeing in this po in this poem, it's like talking about even calling them poems instead of posts. There's such a shame attached to like writing poetry for me. I don't know why. I think because when I was young, it was like, it's like such a fucking like sensitive, like weak kind of effeminate um, activity. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to fucking do that. Um, it's, and I never, I think there was times where I like stepped into it a bit, but then it's like, really it's like yeah i'm gonna like write poetry when i grow up for a living it's like you fucking idiot <laughs> but it's like i never could quit um so i called them posts i'm like oh i need to write a post and like i have all these posts like what the fuck is a post dumbass like because you posted it on a fucking blog website so it's a post like that doesn't exist you made that up you're writing poems like face the fucking facts so anyway I'll keep trying to like use that word more. It's in posts. Mix them up. Doesn't matter. Um, and another thing on that note, with a lot of these YouTubers in the vlogging world, which um, has become so fascinating for me and something I didn't really know about um, before. And that I kind of just scoffed at because it seemed like weird, like kind of, it seemed, I felt like I was above it, which I think a lot of people do, but um, it's really fun. I'm really enjoying it. But one thing I've noticed in the, when people edit their vlog, like they'll say, let's go on a giant monologue, probably no different than what I'm literally doing right now, but they'll edit it. They'll cut it up and they'll break and they and where the line breaks go where they decide to cut what they're saying inside of the editing software the video software those that's line breaking the same way that we do when we write poetry um and that's really what defines poetry over prose right is like the line breaks if you look at the shape of a poem it has it has a shape to it and it's very specific and it has meaning where those things are broken whereas prose it's just like like it you know goes from margin to margin 
and uh they're bricks and it's like you leave that to the the publisher the typesetter to decide where the paragraphs are that's not your business so you see what i'm what the the similarity of i'm starting to see is like when you're looking at these people that are editing their own selves talking it's like those are they're making their line breaks and they add music and different visuals and kind of break up the narrative in a way that's really no different than than this writing thing um i really believe that i think that that might i, I was talking to one friend about it a couple of people actually kind of brought this up and i'm watched i don't it seems like that idea is either they think is bullshit they've tuned out and they're not really listening to what i'm talking about anymore um or i'm just not making any sense um you know whatever 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 but i, I really see it and i think it's it's interesting it's really interesting i'm not trying to m make the point that like like vlogs and the as you know with me and poetry writing it's like the stupider the better right like the more idiotic the better and i think what's really fun is in the kind of vlog world it's also like it's a stupid medium really um and that's kind of the point is like it's like homemade for really cheap not always but like it's really scrappy and you talk like from the outside it's like not high art it's fucking low art it is like the lowest it's fucking value menu shit um and i think that's why i'm like that's always what i loved uh is making value menu fucking work and buy and i love the value menu <laughs> sales and deals and my whole worldview is based on spending less uh always has been i'm just built that way and so the I never really put it together so much um, that the most low budget filmmaking out there is, is on YouTube. Um, the most, I don't give a fuck um, kind of work. It's like, that's, that's where that is. It's finally like occurred to me in like a, a much more real way. And I was not satisfied searching around the film industry for all those years, like looking for, for a way to make movies and share ideas and collaborators that um that seem to be on that level it seemed like wherever you kind of went people were like no, no no it needs to like we need to spend at least an x amount of money about it it needs to like look like professional it's an obsession with professionalism that i think i i really have a contradictory kind of attitude towards because um because i like being stupid i and i and that's what this novel is about right and kind of you know that's what it is it's like the, the celebrating idiocy <laughs> uh, i think i was writing today before i came on the podcast about remembering like when you're a kid at least for me like I, my favorite people when I was a kid was like, who's the biggest idiot in the class? You know, it's like, wow, that guy's so dumb. <laughs> I want to talk to him. He's crazy. And it's like, I can't believe he's doing that. It's like the smart people. Like I, 
I didn't get along with as much, I think. Um, I was more interested in who's like the dumbest, most outlandish, kind of craziest person that just caught my attention. I have ADD. Um, I need to be doing creative things at all times. I, I wasn't good at the at the high end fucking subjects. Um, so there you go. So that's what this is about. And I think, you know, I'm noticing like big phrases, like there's a lot of kind of mood stuff in this first one of like talking about depression and like not giving a fuck and psychiatrist, psychologist. It's kind of like this motivational kind of like, um, you know, poem of like, truly stop giving a fuck and it's a good deed and it will help let's see and next up there's a whole series of this fucking thing the next one's called value burgers and melted snot forever um i'm looking at the timer we're already at 54 minutes i'm on the second post that's probably a record i don't think i've ever moved this slowly through a show but that's fine maybe i won't even maybe i'll just read the posts today and i'll save everything else for another time because that's what i was thinking too is that with all these incoming videos um this all this video project stuff all these dumbass youtube videos um the uh i'm like maybe the the podcast i should stick to really make it about the posts period because i always want to read some prose at the end i don't know it'd be hard to let that go because i really enjoy that um I'm just thinking about spreading things spreading too thin. Anyway, it just goes to show how much I spiral into thinking about format rather than just like sometimes doing the work. Value burgers and melted snot forever. I had a dream last night about some people that used to be my friends, but we grew apart. I'm looking now at some gunk on the ground and a hairball on my sock. I went to two pet stores today and the dollar store and my buddy's house. Tomorrow, I have to go out and lecture at the school. I'm looking forward to reading my book on the subway. I'm looking forward to being alone before I have to be with people. I'm looking forward to coming back to my table here. I'm looking forward to having some time to write. I want to write about, I want to write about some emotional shit. I want to write about the pet store. and value burgers and melted snot and all the people who used to be my friends and some gunk on the ground and a hairball on my sock. And then I want to write about value burgers and melted snot again. I want to write about value burgers and melted snot forever. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. Um, I'm actually um 
I feel like writing these posts every week makes me a better person. And I think that was the point of the last one where I was like, deal with your fucking snot and stop giving a fuck. And it's a good thing. It's a mitzvah. It's a good deed. Bettering yourself. It does better. It betters me. It does. I think about my state of mind when I started the podcast today and I look back a week ago and see what I was struggling with last Sunday and I've grown. I, tr I, I tell you like I fucking dealt with some shit and I'm better off for it from writing this fucking insane garbledy gook fucking bullshit. Truly. Um... I no longer am as insecure as I as I was a week ago from writing this stuff and now looking at it again and watching how my train of thought has kind of, you know, had time to process things. Let me read this again. I had a dream last night about some people that used to be my friends, but we grew apart. Yes, a lot of friends that I had when I was young I am no longer friends with, and they, those people are generally still friends. Um, but I had a way of growing apart. I couldn't, I kind of, I guess I was a kind of person. I, I floated around from friend group to friend group at the end of the day. And, um, I'm not sure I ever really found, a um, uh, my place. I have friend groups small friend groups now that I feel quite secure in, um, but they're relatively new. I guess they're only a few years old and we'll see in time, you know, how long I guess they, um, they stick, but you know, there's some people like, yeah, I had my buddy since I was four years old and we're the best of friends. And we had like one fight and they'll be together until they, they're, they die and all this kind of shit. You know, and there's a lot of people like that. It seems like the healthy thing really. It's like the well-adjusted, like, outlook on life but like and i there was times in my life where i thought you know i had like the lifelong friends and all that kind of stuff but then uh at this point i'm like look you kind of blew it <laughs> not to say that i don't have friends and that i don't have good friends that i've been in touch with for decades but you know it's few and far between like it really like those those ones that i do have are um, it's a rarity and I, and maybe I'm just insecure and fucking talking shit. Who knows? Anyway, sometimes I think about that and trying to admit that to myself to like, look, man, I think you kind of even thinking about, you blew it. You blew it with certain friend groups. Like they're still friends, but you're not like, sorry, that makes you the asshole. Um, right. Like you were the one who was, had to leave. Um, not, not them. Um, you know. I'm looking now at some gunk on the ground and a hairball on my sock. I went to two pet stores today and the dollar store in my buddy's house tomorrow. I had to go to lecture at the school. I'm looking forward to reading my book on Sunday. So it's kind of like this. It's like a, I definitely was feeling sad when I wrote this. I went to my friend's house on this Monday and, and it fucking sucked, man. Um, you know, like we got into like this big kind of argument and uh, didn't really resolve nicely. It was, felt pretty isolated by the end and I came home and I was like sad and I think it reminded me of like all of 
the people that I was friends with and kind of like separated from for whatever reason, just like, oh, here we go again. Like, I don't seem to have the ability or skill set to necessarily like fix this, but also maybe that's a good thing to not like hold on. If it's not working, it just kind of grow apart and move on. Um, that said, this particular instance on Monday, I don't think is a, you know, breaking of um, friends off forever because of this one argument. Um, maybe it is. I don't think so. I don't want it to be, but you never know how things kind of go is what I've learned. Um, and really, it's like, I just want, basically what I'm saying is, and I hide it. I definitely bury that, all that stuff. But I think it comes out in the next day's post more so, the anger. Because right now I'm just like sad and hiding that I'm like had a fucking sad little fucking chess game at my friend's house. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I just want to be alone and write um, about value burgers and melted snot. Meaning, meaning um, I want to write about telling everyone to fuck off and um being kind of doing things my way cheaply um you know all that stuff that i kind of determined before um yeah i like it i think this is good no bullshit no scheming see there you go this is the uh <laughs> the next day so it's like got upset couldn't really write about it right away hold on yep great clock his food came out um for those listening only only audio mouse woke up and ran out of the room um because at 3 p.m his automatic feeder gives him a portion very exciting um so this was now tuesday and i wrote something called no bullshit no scheming it was good to home come home today and to sit at my desk and write a page in my own time it was good to eat soup for dinner it was good to stand in the yard with my cat. There is no fucking escrow account. There is no fucking dumb shit. <laughs> There's only me at my desk doing what the fuck needs to be done. Writing the words in my own time. Melted snot, value burgers. No bullshit, no scheming. No sound effects, no actors. Fake pixel ink, delete key. I'm a pipsqueak. I'm a worm ass bitch. So fuck off with any dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, why not? It's like, you can't like pretend that that's not like an accurate description of, you know, um, what it means to be me. It was good to come home today and sit at my desk and write a page of my own time. So I like to go and fucking give me my space. I need to go and write. 
It was good to eat soup for dinner. It's good to stand in the yard with my cat. So, you know, these simple tasks. There is no fucking escrow account. There is no fucking dumb shit. That's a, you know, as far as this idea of what it means to write poetry, to just have a line that says there is no fucking dumb shit. Um, that's the idiocy I'm talking about. That is the most non-intellectual um, poetry um, a person could write. That's that's just kind of it. Um, but the real stigma about poetry is that it's meant to be like beautiful and sad and like yes meaningful it should be meaningful i won't add that to the list but you know it doesn't need to be romantic or beautiful or anything like that it just needs to be meaningful <laughs> uh there's only me at my desk doing what the fuck needs to be done writing the words in my own time Going back to the metaphor, melt, it's not value burgers, no bullshit, no scheming, no bullshit, no scheming. And that's, that made the, the title of the, the poem itself, no bullshit, no scheming, no sound effects, no actors, fake pixel ink, delete key. I feel like that's actually a big kind of this, this obsession with the delete key. Um, I think I was writing about that in the book this week too. I'm just like this fucking delete key, man. That's like our, my generation, as far as like being a writer and like the real difference of what it means to not the only difference, but one of the, I'd say my, the, the, the advent of the delete key, the invention of the delete key really is, uh, it changes the writing process a lot to be able to delete shit. And uh, I don't know if it, I've just never really seen anyone really talk about it. Like all throughout history and all the books you've ever read that were published, like probably whatever before, let's call it, I don't know, 93, early 90s, right? When like home computers became like probably the main tool to, to write books on. Um, suddenly you could just remove everything and really edit things in a way that maybe was more or less unnatural. Um, and you could always delete stuff, obviously, and like erase it or just not include it in the edit. But the speed and the ease of in which the the ability you have with to omit stuff like that. It's the, you write all of the stuff and then you're just like, no, delete, gone. Like, yeah, you could always crumple up the page and throw it across the room, but it's kind of like second guess and refine your writing so much as you're writing it with the delete key. I think like that cr creates something different. Um, for better or for worse, I, I really don't know how to measure that or or what it is, but like... When you're writing with by hand, you can, yeah, you can cross it out, but you just have to own up to what you wrote more. I think what you wrote is more, it's more you, you than really getting in there. It's like Photoshopping a fucking picture of yourself. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like when you have such access to this delete key, you can really kind of 
be so meticulous about being something that maybe you weren't. I think it's a really, it's a tool that really allows you to do that. As I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't know if I put, if I really, I'd like to talk to someone about that, get some other ideas on it because um, I find it confusing. I'm like that fucking delete key is kind of the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it's also really convenient. Um, so, you know, big pixel link delete key. I'm a pipsqueak. I'm a warm ass bitch. So fuck off with any dumb shit. A great poem. January 11th, step into the mud. I spent too long in the snot castle and now my brain is empty. Tomorrow I have to read a book. I have to sit in my chair and focus on value burgers. If you do not read, you will die. You will wither into a warm ass bitch. You will wither into a warm ass bitch. Do you have faith in value burgers? Are you worshiping the snot castle? Is there some kind of depression floating in front of your face or are you a warm ass bitch? Tomorrow, I would like to put on a pair of rubber boots and step into the mud. I don't own rubber boots, but I have my hiking shoes. I will wear them and go to the park and step into the mud. Interesting. Um, what I think I'm talking about here. I can't believe I'm like this fucking is so ridiculous where I'm like talking about value burgers as like, like the, like the protein and then snot as like who you are or something. It's like value burgers are like the work, like the creative act. And then snot is like who you are or something. Um, and I think one way that that's kind of coming out is like, I keep like recording myself walking around and talking and then making these videos out of them. And it's like depleting my, I'm like, damn, like I recorded myself talking, walking around, blah, 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 talking about just fucking dumb bullshit. Um, and then it's kind it's very much like writing. You're like, saying stuff but it's different right um but there there are ways in which it's the same so then when i go home and like try to write i'm like depleted i'm like wow like is there anything left it's kind of a weird gear shifting part of like this new challenge it's, it's cool um you know, in a way, like the days I do the podcast, I'm like, I don't feel too bad about hitting certain word counts because I'm like, you know, I spent however, an hour and a half, two hours, like outputting that the need to write, like it's not as severe. Um, so sometimes I kind of beat myself up over, I'm like, ah, you still got to write, like you lazy bastard, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um but the truth is I'm realizing like there's other ways to kind of calm myself down and like talking into the camera. It's, 
it helps. Like it really it calms me down quite a bit and it feels productive and I and I enjoy it and all that kind of stuff. So um on days sometimes I try to do like whatever eight to ten hour like writing days where I'm just like writing, 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 writing until like I get frustrated and stop having fun and I'm just like pushing myself and for better or for worse, I just don't know. I don't think it's smart. I think more so like the three to four hour writing session is like even a lot. Um, but then it's like you can do, I can do video as well. So it almost is like a healthier way to work more hours and to like, you know, be creative and write more throughout the day. But it's also depleting. And that's what I was trying to say. I spent too long in the snot castle and now my brain is empty. And so tomorrow, and I was like, tomorrow I have to read a book. I just sit in my chair and focus on value burgers. And it's funny because earlier today I made this whole big, I was like, you have to fucking read a book. If you want to do anything in life, you got to go fucking read a book or else you're a dumbass. And here I am being like, I've basically turned myself into a, a dumbass. I need to go read in order to be a person again. Um, and it's, a, it, you know, I'm, I'm just, I think I'm talking off of improv, you know? And just like telling you what's going on. But then I go and read the posts and I'm like, uh, I just end up repeating it. So when it comes, it makes me more confident in writing the, the poems that I do. Because um, the, sorry, I got distracted by a door opening. Um because there's meaning there more so than I think I might realize. Um, so that's, um, you know, that's good. I, I think sometimes I sit around here and I'm like, just thinking about bullshit. I'm like, I'm just writing bullshit and creating random cartoon images. But I think I'm proving to myself week after week that, um, that there is meaning there and there is use to it. So so that is good. If you not read, you will die. You will wither into a warm ass bitch. Do you have faith in value burgers? Are you worshiping the snot castle? Is there some kind of depression floating in front of your face? Or are you a warm ass bitch? And there is a connection between doing fulfilling creative work and flat out being a depressed person and struggling with that. I think that there's a way to... Um, I think that it's a way out. I think it can be if you do it right. Um, it can help. It can truly help. And I think that for me, it's like make, learning to have fun with it and making sure it's meaningful and staying away from the perfectionism. That's, that is my point of view. I, I think that for when I look back on my life and the times where I was struggling the most with any kind of like uh, overwhelming sadness, anxiety, depression, whatever, whatever it was, anything in that kind of territory, um, this is what's helped me is by, it's not like I never wasn't writing, but what was I writing and why? And if I, and to be able to kind of 
figure out the perspective. There's certain ways of, of being creative that can, that can help. And sometimes you're too scared to do them or you're too ashamed to do them or, you know, a lot of different things, but it can make a difference. And I mean, it's not the fucking silver bullet, but it helps step into the mud. Not bad. Okay, we got one here called Twig Burger. There was a large twig in the value burger that I ordered. When they gave me the paper bag, twigs stuck out either side, almost like a helicopter. I opened up the packaging, two pieces of bread, melted snot, and a damn massive twig? I sat on the planter outside, staring at it. All I ordered was a single value burger with melted snot, and they gave me a freaking twig burger? I took a bite, thinking maybe it was a giant french fry. But I was wrong. I knew I was wrong, but I didn't want to be right. I didn't want the twig to be a twig. I went back in and showed it to the employee. We didn't put a fucking twig in your burger, man, they said. And even if we did, why the fuck would you take a bite out of it? I didn't have an answer. Instead, I asked for some extra mustard. They gave it to me, and I ate my twig burger. Value, melted, snot, and all. Sitting on the planter, in the car exhaust. Twig burger. Um, I think that's, you know, fun enough. Um, but I think it's a bit of the test. It's like, you know, when you look at kind of some story structure ideas and it's like, okay, where was the character in the beginning? So in this case of, I'm talking about kind of amalgamating the posts here. It's like the protagonist is this person who's like, dealing with this kind of insecurity, trying to overcome this depression about basically being themselves and um, expressing themselves in the way they, they want to express themselves, but feeling like that's at odd with the way that the world works. This is, this is how I think what's going on with this twig or this value burger melted snot theme throughout the week. And then plan a it's like okay use defiance like and and conviction and push through it just like i don't give a fuck i'm moving forward and i can't i'm not going to care what people think because i know through trial and error that um this will help um i've proven that to myself and and it does help you know i'm trying to summarize all the posts so far this week and then this post this is kind of the part where it's like okay you think that you've kind of uh you have this you figured things out well generally then the world will come back and test you and be like you know oh you think you can listen to yourself and your intuition well here's a giant twig burger here's a here's your your burger that you've said that you love so much and that's so meaningful to you and we're going to put it and here's it and it has a giant fucking stick in it and then it's like <laughs> if you listen to your intu intuition um 
then uh, you wouldn't need it because it's not what you asked for. But we just, but we tricked you. We fucking got you. Um, and he and the protagonist here, me, I'm trying to be like, uh, trying to kid myself. Oh, maybe it was a giant French fry. That's the that's the thing. So it's like the and then and then I failed. It's basically what this is saying. It's like, no, nope, they got there like you should have known better. You failed the test. But still I go and eat the burger outside in this, this fictional story. But um it's kind of like this bittersweet like well, I guess I fucked up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in my um in my mistake and eat it. You know? Not it's not the kind of story where it's like, oh I I'm so smart I knew better and I didn't eat you can't trick me. I know that there's no this isn't the this isn't a real value burger. Um so it's good. I like that. And and this is the thing. It's like and this is what I'm trying to write this novel about, I think. It's like, there's fictional me. And then there's real me. And and I think this is pretty inspired from... I read that Philip Roth quote on this podcast, I think twice, from The Counter Life. And, and I feel like this is me kind of really taking what I got from that and starting to output it. Where he's taught... He's always like, there's who we are and who we think we are. There's our real self and our fictional self. And he's like, basically he's like, both of them are bullshit and there's no you at all. I feel like that's in one way what the character says. I think, and I think what he's getting at or maybe what I took from it or some, some combination or neither is like, really it's, it's both of those things is like there has to be your who you the combination of your fiction of your dreams of your um of your inner thoughts and who you think you are and who you present to the world in order to know a person you need to um you need to know both sides of them that way you can't just know one or else it's not the complete picture. We're multidimensional that way. I feel like I learned that from reading The Counter Life. I feel like that's like one of the big, like Philip Roth kind of, um, I just, that's just what I got from, from reading his work and, and it, in his other books too. He kind of never loses sight of that. And I really feel influenced by that way of thinking. And I, and I think it's really, it's really cool my cat's outside hold on there he is come on in this um so to write yourself as a fool and um it uh it seems to work that way i don't know that's about as far as I've got with that kind of thinking, but I'm trying to sort it out in that, in that book, really. 
All right. And let's grab the last. Um, I'm super distracted because my cat's walking, trying to walk on the keyboard here. The last post of the week here, the intrinsic value burger. I'm wondering the value of the value burger. I'm not questioning its value. I'm simply wondering the value. There is no value. It's not itself. It simply is what it is. The intrinsic value of the value burger is beyond my ability to calculate. But rest assured, when you sit down at the restaurant and open the packaging of the value burger, you will not question its value, intrinsic or not. You will know you did the right thing. Good. Um, and despite the trials and tribulations of being fed a value burger with a giant stick in it, you know, there was one time I might have told the story before where I went, I was eating a burger with two other guys at a pub. This is like 13 years ago or something. And we all ordered burgers and the burgers came and mine had a, um, on the, like it came open the burger and mine had two nails on the right on the middle of the, the patty. Sometimes I think I'm like, just, I fucking made this shit up and it was just like, I was high or something, but like there were people there, they saw it too. And we sent it back and was like, what? There's fucking nails on this burger. And the guy, one of the guys who worked there, I don't remember what I did to him. And I don't think it was, I don't know what I said or what it was, but like, I knew that guy didn't like me. I know we kind of were friends and then like we weren't for some reason. And it's not like I go back and be like, Hey man, are you fucking, are you trying to make me eat fucking nails in my burger? <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, Oh shit. Like that's crazy. And, and uh, I think that's a bit of what that twig thing was about. It was like getting this, this kind of image of like getting a burger with like this long kind of sharp fucking thing in it. Um, you know, looking at the world one way and knowing there's people out there who don't see the world the same way as you do and trying to reconcile that uh, is difficult. And you need to trust your intuition and you need to figure out what your intuition is. And that's what um, this last post and the week of posts today are about. That's the value. So I'm going to read um, one. I'm going, to, I, I'm going to read one excerpt from Freud here and then I'll and then I'll call the show for today. I think I've talked enough about the idiot tree and what's going on that reading an excerpt doesn't really um you already know what's going on and uh it's all pretty raw anyway. So I feel good about that. But I did kind of flag this one bit that I I felt like would be fun to read here. So um I'd like to uh take some time and do that. 
and then uh, and then I'll we'll wrap the show here. So this is from Freud's Interpretation of Dreams. Um, on this edition, this is page fifty-two, about halfway down. It is easy to see how the remarkable preference shown by the memory and dreams for indifferent and consequently unnoticed elements in waking experience is bound to lead people to overlook in general the dependence of dreams upon waking life and at all events to make it difficult in any particular instance to prove that dependence that's a fucking huge sentence um let me read it one more time it is easy to see how the remarkable preference shown by the memory and dreams for indifferent and consequently unnoticed elements in waking experience is bound to lead people to overlook, in general, the dependence of dreams upon waking life and, at all events, to make it difficult in particular, in any particular instance, to prove that dependence. Thus, Miss Winton Calkins, 1893, in her statistical study of her own and her collaborators' dreams, found that in 11% of total of the total there was no visible connection with waking life hildebrandt 1875 is unquestionably right in asserting that we should be able to explain the genesis of every dream image if we devoted enough time and trouble to tracing its origin he speaks of this as an exceedingly laborious and thankless task, for as a rule it ends in hunting out every kind of utterly worthless psychical event from the remotest corners of the chambers of one's memory, and in dragging to light once again every kind of completely indifferent moment of the past from the oblivion in which it was buried in the very hour perhaps after it occurred. I can only regret that this keen-sighted author allowed himself to be deterred from following the path which had this inauspicious beginning, if he had followed it, it would have led him to the very heart of the explanation of dreams. So, I'm not on the Earwig Review. We're not talking about dreams, but we're talking about dream-like images so there's a parallel here i think this is talking about the are these images when when we have these images in our minds and in our memories are they completely random fucking nonsense or do they have meaning is there deeper meaning that we can derive from them and on one hand, there are people who think that they are random and meaningless. And there are other people who think that they aren't. And I would assume if you had any interest in this show, you would believe that they aren't meaningless and there's something to it. The way in which the memory behaves in dreams is undoubtedly of the greatest importance for any theory of memory in general. It teaches us that nothing which we have once mentally possessed can be entirely lost, Schultz, 1893, 
or as Del Delboeuf 1885 puts it, um, let me tr I read a translation in, a, in the footnote, that even the most insignificant impression leaves an unalterable trace, which is indefinitely capable of revival. So when we're sitting and writing fiction, writing whatever pops into our head, it's not, um, it has, where is it from? Is it, it's probably, it's from our memory in some way. It's some interpretation of something we perceived once before. I think this is a conclusion to which we are also driven by many pathological phenomenon of mental life. Certain theories about dreams, which we shall mention later, seek to account for their absurdity and incoherence by a partial forgetting of what we know during the day. Absurdity and incoherence. Hell yeah. When we bear in mind the extraordinary efficiency that we have just seen exhibited by memory and dreams, we shall have a lively sense of the contradiction which these theories involve. It might perhaps occur to us that the phenomena of dreaming could be reduced entirely to that of memory. Dreams, it might be supposed, are a manifestation of a reproductive activity which is at work even in the night and which is an end in itself. This would tally with statements such as those made by Pilks, 1899, according to which there is a fixed relation observable between the time at which a dream occurs and its content, impressions from the remotest past being reproduced in dreams during deep sleep, while more recent impressions appear towards morning. But views of this sort are inherently improbable owing to the manner in which dreams deal with the material that is to be remembered. So that's a bit, um, I'm a bit lost in that. But I don't think there's any like thing that jumps out at me as like crazy life changing. Strumpel rightly points out that dreams do not reproduce experiences. They take one step forward, but the next step in the chain is omitted or appears in an altered form or is replaced by something entirely extraneous. Dreams yield no more than fragments of reproductions. And this is so general a rule that the theoretical conclusions may be based on it. It is true that there are exceptional cases in which a dream repeats an experience with as much completeness as is attainable by our waking memory. That whole bit, I think, is, is really interesting. Sometimes the posts on the show, um, the art we make, the vlogs we create are no more than just documentaries. It's just straight up fucking, this is what happened. Uh, and it, and it's the truth. There's nothing more true than, than exactly what went on. But, um, it's one of the first things that fucking Aristotle says in poetics is that that is not a story that the the documentary the absolute truth of a documentary of, a, of documenting a life 
in the order of the facts and sequence is not what makes up a story it's part of it but it's it's not if you were to to write and I'm, this is i'm trying to paraphrase fucking aristotle right now um if you were to, if someone was born and you literally wrote about every single thing they ever did in their life no one wants to fucking see that you got to get to the point here and that's no was no different 2500 years ago when he wrote that than today and to relate that to memory and dreams and fragments and building upon all of that from this perspective, from the perspective of kind of Freud and dreams and how that starts to build into fiction writing is fucking awesome. <laughs> Delboeuf tells how one of his university colleagues had a dream which reproduced in all its details a dangerous carriage accident which had had with an almost miraculous escape miss calkins mentions two dreams whose content was an exact reproduction of an event of the previous day and i shall myself have occasion later to report an example i came across of a child who experienced reappearing in a dream without modification and that's the end of the chapter weird kind of end to the chapter in my opinion it's just like the pacing's like going up it's like ramping up and it's just like okay cut let's go to the next thing i'm like whoa conclude that please anyway um and by no means qualified to be breaking down this book and talking about it in any real way but there you go um a lot of fun to be had um go to the youtube page and check out the new videos um i'll post maybe two more this week if i can um at least one and um thank you as usual for tuning in and um we'll see you again next week for episode 22 and i wish you all well in the meantime <laughs>